0: Welcome to the CHGO White Sox podcast, coming to you live from Studio 8 of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Two thumbs.
1: Yeah, I was seeing if
0: that worked again. Like, you you know that is only Vinny's thing that does that.
1: Yeah, but remember the little blooms came up? Right, but
0: what I'm trying to tell you is that, that only Vinny has that power. So it's like, I have no power to do that? You have no power to do that. You are not in the box. Son of a bitch. The only Alice in Chains told you, only the man in the box can make the balloons appear. <laughs> uh, when Vinny Dubert joins us later, uh, he can uh, give us a two big thumbs up from Arizona and tell us uh, all about those balloons and the screens effect. I think uh, the
1: peace sign also does something.
0: Maybe. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. Hello. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow Herb at Echnerwall23. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. We got Kevin Wells producing us Boys, today.
2: What's going on? It's been a while. It's been a while. That's, that's also be here with you.
0: a 90s song. Who, who, been a while. Been a while. Yeah, There you go. Uh, make um, sure you hit the thumbs up button uh, and make sure you're subscribing to the CHGO Sports Silver YouTube chair? channel. I don't know. Who? Silver Chair. Soul so, Decision. Silver Chair. You made that one up. That's a real group. Really? Soul Decision. I don't know, I'm it's just stained. guessing 90 90- stained, okay. stained, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. not great, yeah, you pull out
2: your best stained t-shirt, uh, and, <laughs> is that a joke, <laughs> no, I mean, there's okay. people in a milk carton right now, okay. uh, I can't find them, every time I come on I come on this show, I start singing 90s grunge or something, or r- classic rock, and I don't know, Vinny sing brings a, it, Vinny brings it out of I me, mean. sing a good 90s, uh, we singing Green Day song, the last please. time, I don't know, it was stained work? is terrible. We
1: were you singing Green Day
2: last time? Yeah, we were or? singing Green Day for something. I don't remember what it was called. I don't think but, that's yeah. true, Kevin. I think you're remembering you to an American happened. idiot. I promise it happened. I promise. What? Were you being an American idiot? no, 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 no. Were you trying to hitch a ride? Oh, no. but that's that's what 90s. we were... Yes, that was it. We were hitching a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it was. Great song. Thanks, Herb. Appreciate it.
0: On today's show, <laughs> uh, we will be talking to Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business about the 78 Project and his exclusive uh, published article uh, on his hour-long lunch with Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, we got 10 minutes of Greg's thoughts uh, after that lunch so we're excited for he- you to hear that and then uh, Vinny will be joining us from Arizona after we play that Greg Hines interview to talk about Ethan Katz's recent comments he made some comments on Garrett Crochet Michael Kopech and uh, my guy Jordan Leisure so mm-hmm. we'll hear about uh, what Eric, uh, Eric Katz uh, that's a completely different guy. Ethan Katz <laughs> had to say uh, about those three pitchers. And we will wrap on Oscar Colas. Does Oscar Colas have a chance to make this White Sox team after 2023 didn't go so well? We got an excited Pedro uh talking about Oscar Colas, and uh, we're excited for you to hear that. Uh, but let's get into the 78 project right away. Uh, Herb and I, we have a lot of passionate feelings. Uh, we ended that show pretty heated, pretty mm-hmm. tough. You were ready for the White Sox to move to Nashville. I I was adamantly against that. How do you feel right now? You ready for them to move to Nashville still? Any second. Okay. Like, bye. bye. Don't uh, threaten me with a good time. You will lose your job. We're not NSHV. I'll find another one. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to Greg Hines. Uh, He has... I mean, I love this job, but... If they lose, I mean, I'll find another one. He's had his job at uh, Crane's Chicago Business since 1996. So this is a man with a ton of uh, resources, a ton of connections, and he started to tell me, uh, at least with this interview, and you could check out Greg's interview. Um, you could check, follow him at uh, Greg Hines on Twitter, and then you can check out the uh, actual article over at chicagobusiness.com uh, where the exclusive interview is published. Uh, you will have to pay for that exclusive, but it's a, a, a art outlet that's uh, well worth it.
1: Support journalism, right. local journalism especially.
0: And Greg Hines started off telling me why Jerry Reinsdorf is starting these seismic moves right now.
3: The team isn't very happy at Guaranteed Rate right Field. I haven't been happy for a long time for a variety of reasons that we can go into. And their lease expires now four or five years down the road, uh, which means if you're gonna consider serious options, now's the time to do it because you can't build a stadium in 10 minutes. Um, I think another thing on his mind is, uh, is frankly his own mortality, uh, which he, which he's kind of, uh, laid on the table when I had lunch with him. <clears throat> he said, Hey, I'm going to be 88 in a few days. Um, uh, I'm not going to be here forever. Um, he didn't say it, but I think the death of his, uh, his running buddy and partner, Rocky Wirtz, who, who owned the Blackhawks <laughs> has to weigh heavily on him. Uh, and I'll take him at his word. He says, Hey, uh, if, uh, if uh, if uh, the team, if if I'm dead, the team is probably going to be sold uh, by my heirs and the other investors after I go, and it probably won't stay in Chicago. And therefore, if you want to keep it in Chicago, we kind of have to make it more valuable and more presentable and tie it down legally. And the best way to do that is a uh, new stadium that the taxpayers would pay for uh, with a long-term lease.
0: Right. So I think most people are trying to understand that long-term lease and how maybe the bears figure out, uh, first, what did you sense the current relationship between the bears and white Sox being, is it, is it an active relationship that these two are at least communicating? I know Jerry didn't want to elaborate too much.
3: Um, I think the relationship at the moment is they're competing for the same pot of money. Uh, there's this little agency called the Illinois sports facilities authority. that Nobody's ever heard of, but it's the agency that built Guaranteed Rate 30 years ago or so, and which renovated Soldier Field for the Bears. Uh, and their source of income, for the most part, is is revenues from a hotel tax on Chicago hotels that yields 60 65 million dollars a year. Um, both of those both teams are eyeing that, uh, and I'm not sure there's enough money to go around for one of them, much less both of them. So they started talking, and I suspect what they're talking about is, well, how can we make the pot bigger, maybe get some other revenues or whatever, but they don't want to be, they're they're in a position if they all get together and present a United plan and go down to Springfield and City Hall, they might get somewhere, but if they're fighting, they'll probably kill each other.
0: Right, and they probably need both Brandon Johnson and J.B. Pritzker on their side. I know Brandon Johnson just had comments recently about giving sports teams public money, and I know J.B. Pritzker, at least recently, has been somewhat against it, but has said as long as there's a viable plan to create revenue, um, he might be for it. If you had to give a temperature from, uh, we'll go Celsius, even though we're in a Fahrenheit uh, country, uh, 0 to 100, where where would you put the temperature of the likelihood of them securing that public subsidiary or
4: subsidy? I
3: think the likelihood that they're going to try is pretty high. Uh, whether they uh, get it or not, it's a little too early to tell. Um, uh, there's no credible argument that the Bears are going to leave this metropolitan Chicago area and move out of state. That isn't going to happen. Uh, uh, so the question then is what's the value to the city of Chicago? Uh, of having them in town and playing at Soldier Field or somewhere around Soldier Field. In this case, they're looking at the parking lots just to the south as opposed to out in Arlington Heights. Um, The team seemed to be all gung-ho about Arlington Heights. They've changed, perhaps because they've had a change in management uh, uh, with Kevin Warren coming in as team president. Um, As for the White Sox, uh, they haven't presented a very good team on the field. They're not... Their popularity could be a lot better than it is. They uh, have they have a higher case to make, but uh, 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 the, the question ultimately will boil down to: to the politicians want to be blamed for you let the lighthouse, the White Sox leave, or you let the, the Bears leave. And if not, are they willing to come up with the political support for for taxes that uh, won't be very popular? Now, I would add that. Uh, uh, the plan is described by Reiner or Reinstruck. Doesn't involve any new taxes. The taxes that already exist, the hotel tax is there and it ain't disappearing, however much the hotel guys would like it to. And the sales tax that he's that he's talking about is a, is a stopgap. That's already there too. Uh, so at the moment, they can say, "Hey, we, we just, just want to redirect existing money. We don't want to we don't want uh, uh, new taxes, but it's clearly going into their pockets."
0: But extending that bond for thirty to thirty-five years, right? So it, the, keep the existing taxes, but just extend its life form to okay, make up for that renew,
3: money. Renew it, renew it and extend it, because uh, okay. uh, you can. You, you can get, if you have for thirty years to pay it off, you can get a. Uh, it's like your house. Uh, you, you owe twenty thousand dollars now, but uh, and it's and the note is due in in, in five years. But if you want to want a hundred grand for this and two hundred grand for that, well, you, you get a, a half a million dollar mortgage and you pay it over thirty years it makes it much easier
0: right uh and then you talk about jerry and the product on the field he mentioned that you know public money would be good for the team uh you see in 2021 after covid 19000 fans per game and they won the division then the next year nearly 25000 people per game it seemed like the stadium was fine it seemed like people were coming to the stadium cuz the product on the field was good but then obviously the product started to take a turn like I, I'm trying to really make a sense of his tone when he's talking about the product on the field is dependent on the stadium and, and the place where they're playing baseball.
3: I hear you. Um, first, let me stipulate that having a good product is always important. This is show business, this is entertainment. Uh, people don't want to go see a team that's going to roll over and uh, and be out of it by the bottom of the third. Um, so, you know, then to the extent he hasn't been able to put that together, that's that's on his plate. Um uh, it's his fault and he needs, he needs to do something about it. And they've tried, but it it just hasn't worked. Um, uh, To another degree though, sports fans, and you see this all over the country, are looking for a little bit more now. Uh, uh, If you view a a ballpark as part of an entertainment area uh, where there's restaurants and bars and, and nightlife and other things around it. Look at what the Ricketts have done up around Wrigley field. Uh, and they have paid for all the renovations of the field themselves, but they've also put a lot of money into surrounding stuff. Uh, people feel safer if you're in a crowd. Uh, they can stick around for three or four hours afterwards and, you know, not be worried they're going to get shot up. Uh, if you go down the guaranteed rate field on a, on a day when they're not playing, you can shoot a cannon through there. There's nobody there. Uh, there's no neighborhood there. It's just a sea of, of empty parking lots. Now, he's the one who built it that way 30 years ago. It's maybe his fault. But uh, he says that looking at Camden Yards and looking at the, at uh, Minnesota and other, looking at Denver and other places that have built new stadiums, we need to have a different paradigm here. Uh, and he says that only that that new paradigm is going to give him the kind of money income uh, that he needs to go out and really compete for for top free agents, uh, which is half the game in, 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 baseball these days, you know, more about it than I do, but uh, if you can't, can't compete for the best players, you ain't going to win. And
0: they're they're trying, they're not trying to sign, you know, those best players, but they're trying to maybe create them as best as they can um, <laughs> with related Midwest in this property, the 78, is it alluring enough? Is it the most alluring spot that will gain that public money for Jerry? Do you feel like they had the most successful bid that, jerry could then sell to you know the governor and mayor on why they need public money for this specific spot
3: i think the 78 site is a good site uh it's uh it's uh, uh just south of the loop it's at roosevelt uh, uh, and, uh and clark street if, if you look south it's essentially uh it's essentially never been developed there were some warehouses and, and rail yards there uh that were pretty much torn out uh, 50 60 years ago but it's pretty close to raw land right in the middle of the city. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, close to the expressways. Uh, the Ryan is just there. The Kennedy's there. Uh, uh, it's not too far from Lakeshore Drive. There's a metro stop. Uh, they're talking about uh, putting a CT8 L stop or subway stop there. Um, uh, and it's close to hotels. It's close to a lot of restaurants and, and other kinds of nightlife stuff that already is in Chicago. So yeah, it's I don't know if there's <clears throat> i suppose it. there's a better site somewhere but this one this one is pretty good it has a lot of potential uh if it's developed the right way
0: so if this doesn't go right they don't get this public support um do you think there's a compromise on jerry's price tag uh, do you think there's going to have to be some compromise especially as you mentioned the bears and the Sox are fighting for that same pot when he comes out with this certain price tag uh, how much do you think he's willing to give if you know, maybe the end goal is just to get any public money at all?
3: Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has, for good reason, a reputation of being a shrewd bargainer. Uh, Who knows how to get the maximum stuff from whoever is uh, the other side of the table. Uh, I have to assume this is a bargaining position, uh, that uh, they're willing to bargain. Uh, uh, I've yet to see him put a bunch of his money on the table, but he's got a a lot of money to do it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, although he says they're going to invest in other parts of the 78 development, the stadium itself will be built strictly by taxpayers. Uh, I'm not sure that's that's saleable in this political environment. Uh, you know, how about billing up to the bar Jerry and uh, putting two or three hundred million bucks of your own money in there?
0: Why not, Jerry? Why not pony up and pay a little bit? Thank you, Greg Hines, for his time. At Greg Hines is where you can follow him over on Twitter. And, again, you could read that exclusive interview at chicagobusiness.com. Uh, thank you again to Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business for joining us. Herb, what would you make of those the 10 minutes with Greg? What did you make of the article now that we've had time to digest and read it? What do you think of the 78 Project?
1: I'm a fan of Jerry doing what he usually does. Like, he... While I, as a fan of the White Sox, don't like him trying to get this money from us, the taxpayers, I understand why he's doing as Greg said there. He's a shrewd businessman. I think he came up as a like a real estate lawyer. um he knows what he wants to do. He's done this before, where the current ballpark is uh ninety was it thirty three years old. He got that stadium from pretty much blackballing and blackmailing the state of Illinois and his friend Big Jim Thompson. No more Big Jim Thompson anymore. And as Greg said at the end, I don't know if the political and the social hunger for paying for a billionaire's stadium is out there like it was back then. And the threat of moving, as I said before, when he's like, would you want them to go to Nashville? It's like, yes, if that's what they want to do, I'm not going to sit here and beg him to stay. And definitely not going to have him take the money that could be used in other places. And I'm not going to be one of those people who get on here and get on my soapbox and say, well, they could be using it for schools. Well, they could be using it for this, that, and the other. Because I don't usually do that. So I won't start it and uh, just bring up an argument just, for, uh, just to oppose Jerry. But that money can be used in other ways. And if Jerry really wants to have his legacy and really, really wants to have White Sox fans secure that this team's going to stay in Chicago, put some of your own money down. Most of your money down. I'm sure White Sox fans would be like, hey, man, we'll meet you. Or Chicagoans, we'll meet you at a 70-30 split. You pay 70% of the ballpark, we'll pay 30. It would not be fine with me. But at least that's something. You're at least giving of yourself, who's listed as a 2.4 billionaire, to build your own stadium and to have your legacy as such. Right now, he's doing nothing but alienating fans like us and then also bringing up cities like Nashville as if that threat is going to be credible to us and, like, we care that he's going to move to Nashville or the new owners. Oh, but that's the thing. is like He's not. like I Or I, I, the I'm, new owners. Bye. I'm, I'm really – but – I'm
0: really getting the sense that it's Jerry Reinsdorf's final move is either he's getting a new stadium or he's not. And if they don't get a new stadium, he's just saying that, and as Greg said, there's no legality keeping the White Sox here. So if they build a new stadium, you'll be able to extend the life of the White Sox for sure, for certainty, give you that, that, you know,
1: peace. And the thing is, he can do that easily with his money or go and get a loan. And passing that on to the new owners, and if the new owners come into Chicago and say, "No, f that world class city, seven time Condé Nast best big city in America," let's move to Nashville or Salt Lake City or Portland, Oregon. Are we are we listening to those cities as opposed to Chicago? Are we listening, like? Chicago, you guys live in this city. You understand how great the city is. I don't care who comes in. If that person is from Nashville, if that person's from Portland or Salt Lake City, they get to Chicago and be like, why would I leave this great metropolis for – question marks that are going to not be the solution to my answers well and um i think it's
0: moot to java ali I, I, don't Look know at you. I, I don't know if i've said that correctly Boom. uh i don't know my eyes hurt uh will incentives based or in performances be good options meaning instead of giving them all the money up front it should be based on a discount for fans i don't think that's a bad idea um but i do find it funny because i was doing some research to talk to greg Hines, so i didn't feel stupid um and There was a piece in NBC5 from 2010, and it was talking about the Cubs getting denied the $200 million for Wrigley Field. And how Greg said, you know, the the Ricketts themselves ponied up that money, built out that entire stadium. But in 2010, they were like, why don't they get the money once they win a World Series? Six years later, after they made all the renovations, they did. Uh, so, I mean, hey, uh, spending the money and making the commitment to Chicago was not a bad investment from the Cubs, so maybe the, the Sox would learn something from that. Brandon Johnson, mayor of Chicago, said yesterday, as finding uh, as far as financing these projects, both organizations know that they have to put some skin in the game. They're expressing a commitment to do that. As far as public dollars, we haven't gotten into any of those specifics yet, but I will say that we're going to explore all options, but we have to make sure that we're doing it right by the people of Chicago. Everything is on the table, but Again, I want to make sure there is a real commitment to public use and public benefit. So I have no idea what is going to happen. Word salad. Yeah,
1: but a big big word salad there. He wants to be as vague as possible just so he can have some negotiation tactics when uh, Jerry comes to him with hat in hand and begging for money. I hope Brandon Johnson, this, I mean, people already don't like Brandon Johnson. This is political suicide. You give public money to a billionaire. Any of these legislators who do this, Everybody's going to remember at the polls, so tread lightly. People are not willing to be doing this, especially for such a detestable owner like Jerry Reinsdorf. And Shy Bros Football saying, "Do not go to Sox games." We're going to
0: take a break after this. Uh, Force him to sell. He's selling. He's about to turn 88 in three days, and that's the whole point of the Greg Hines interview, what he's expressing is his mortality is, uh, 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 you know, he's very aware of his mortality. He's aware that, you know, not a lot of people live past 78, let alone make it to 88. So, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that Jerry Reinsdorf's going to be passing soon. We know Virginia McCaskey has lasted all the way to 100 and is still going. Like, it's not a guarantee that Jerry Reinsdorf would die in the next five years, but if I had to bet, I would absolutely think that the White Sox have new owners within the next five years because, again, that article says they're shovel-ready. They want to start building this year. So, like, I don't know if that's going to happen, but also, like, if they are building a new stadium, they're approaching a new home. Like, that's when people will be interested in buying the team. And, again, he's approaching just older and older and older. He's not getting younger.
1: Yeah, he could go the Mike Ellich way where the Tigers owner said, I'm going to die soon, and I'm going to push all my chips in. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out necessarily. They didn't win any championships, but I guarantee you go to Detroit, bring up the name Mike Illich, everybody's like, yeah. what a great owner. When Jerry does pass, he will have a bad reputation here, and his legacy will be terrible. From us White Sox fans, from people like Matt Peck and the Bulls fans, they'll, his name will be tarnished here. I would think if you see your mortality, you would want to leave something for the fans that you're supposed to be serving. Well, I, 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 I,
0: you're right, and I hopefully he does cough up his own money to make this commitment. Can't take it with you. Uh, no, you cannot. Um, it it would, it would be great to see, and I think especially just you know, it does seem like he's trying to secure a, a future. Like I don't, I know we're not supposed to give Jerry Reinsdorf any credit, um, but like it does seem like at least that second point that he's making, like, hey, you build a stadium, the White Sox are here forever. I know it's also just benefiting his wallet, but let's just take. I it. I just break. think
1: that's a lie because. The White Sox will be here forever.
0: Will they? Yes. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't know how, how big the market share and, and how much that affects people. Uh, I don't know. I don't have billions of dollars. Uh, let's tell you about our friends over at PrizePix. Picks. PrizePix Picks always delivers. They're a fantastic and fun app to download. They're the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and they are the easy and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, include in pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It is a very fun way to watch the game. I know Herb's been playing it. I've been playing it. I got two entries tonight, um, and it's very simple. You can make these entries with uh, in under a minute, truly. Uh, yep. There's games tonight, I believe. The
2: Bulls are playing tonight? Bulls
0: are playing the Celtics. Okay, so you can go and you know pick either more or less than on a Bulls prop or a Celtics prop. I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Duran uh, and uh, Jalen Brunson tonight. I'm also going to go a little bit of, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, college. A little Zach Eady and uh, John L. Davis. So if you do want to try out our friends over at PricePix, head over to Pricepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com CHGO and use code CHGO. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy.
1: And I want to tell you about the guy that was in our studios and today. Thursday. He was in our studios on Tuesday. It still smells like bacon. Respectfully stunk up the joint. Which is never a bad thing. (laughs) And Charlie the Bacon Guy is based out of Woodridge, Illinois. He makes craft bacon and bacon jams for over 35 different flavors. Bacon and bacon jams are naturally cured, preservative-free products. No ingredients that Charlie cannot pronounce himself involved in the process. Unlike most store-bought bacon. And Charlie put these words in here so I can you know, etherobate or sodium or Nailed it. For, for example, those are not in Charlie's bacon. That's in other store-bought bacon. They're vacuum-sealed and freezes perfectly. Bacon lasts in the package for up to 60 days in the fridge or one week after the seal is broken and nine months in the fridge. Bacon jam lasts about 90 days in the fridge and up to one year in the freezer. But if you're keeping your bacon jam in the freezer that long, you're doing it wrong. Check out... Awesome merch for Charlie the Bacon Guy. Beanies, hats, t-shirts, stickers, and coffee mugs. The other day, Charlie, when he did come in, he brought my order into me from there. I got the Cajun. I got the Raspberry Chipotle. I got the Maui Wowie, And the bacon I tried the other day, chili lime. Mm. I'll tell you what. But he has other flavors like maple pepper, uh, chorizo, French toast, honey chipotle, jardinera. And bacon jams, I got one of the bacon jams, just the original one, because I wanted to, you know, dip my toe into it. Mercy, I tell you what, delicious. But they also got bourbon, mango habanero, cherry jalapeno. The bacon jam goes perfectly in anything. Put them on scrambled eggs, toast, with or without jelly, crackers, burgers, grilled cheese, charcuterie boards, cinnamon rolls, pizza, or Charlie's favorite, the spoon. The bacon vault, it's got all the flavors he's made in the past. If it's not currently available, give Charlie about two weeks and I'll make it for you. Starting now, you could save 10% on your order at charliethebaconguy.com when you use the code CHGO, which I did use the other day, at checkout. You can pick it up, which is the most efficient way for you, or he can deliver it to you or meet you at halfway. Even ship it. He makes the bacon so you can bring it home.
0: And you can head over to charliethebaconguy.com. That's his website to go place your order. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's head out to Vinny Duber, who has been patiently, 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 patiently Thank you, waiting. Thank you very much, Vinny. We appreciate that. And before we jump in, uh, we do want to thank our friends over at Gila River Resort and Casino. Uh, They are accommodating our friend Vinny Duber uh, right now uh, with the lovely accommodations over uh, at Gila River Resort and Casino. uh, So how are you doing, Vinny? Doing good. How are you guys today? Oh, not too bad. Uh, let's start off with, I guess, the breaking news, if it's uh, urgent enough to call it that. How's John Brebbia doing?
4: Uh, I mean, he's not doing as well as he was a couple days ago, I guess. He's uh, uh, got a right calf strain mm. that he suffered in yesterday's live batting practice session Uh he, he looks like he's maybe doing a little worse than he is. Actually, he's uh, rolling around uh, the, the facility on one of them, uh, little scooter deals, but um, the, the White Sox aren't, expo- you know, uh, describing it as such a terrible thing that, you know, usually is, uh, you know, accompanied by one of those things. They say that the expectation is he'll be ready for opening day. The right now um, they are not going to push him in games, but they say that he still can throw, um, but uh, they, they're not going to put him into games just yet. And uh, they hope that he's ready uh, for the start of the season. So this obviously was, you know, I, I, I hate to call it one of the bigger acquisitions of the season. But when you look at the bullpen specifically, one of the only two uh, major league free agent deals that were signed for that relief core with him and Tim Hill. You know, I've been talking the last week or so about how basically every spot in that bullpen besides those two are complete mysteries and now one of those two uh, uh probably the most significant injury in camp so far obviously that speaks well to this general health of the white Sox. they haven't really uh had any health issues that they're doing dealing with before uh this happened to john brebbia um the other day we did hear that edgar navarro who's mostly who did pitch in the majors last year but mostly a minor league reliever um needed tommy john surgery And today we heard that Shane Drohan, who was, uh, if you'll remember, the team's Rule 5 draft pick during the winter meetings, uh, he had shoulder surgery today. Mm. um, So I I wouldn't imagine that he will be uh, uh, in the mix anytime soon to make an appearance with the big league team.
0: So just to follow up on Drohan, I don't know if if you know this, but I'm going to ask you you. it. Uh, I'll I'll be bold here. How does that affect the Rule 5? Because I know if he doesn't make the opening day roster, typically he'd have to be sent back to the Red Sox. If he's placed on the injured list, does he get a grace period with the White Sox where they're able to possibly test him out on the Major League roster? What's the situation with Drohan and and that Rule 5 situation?
4: I do not know the rule book, but I would assume that you know, just like anything else, you put a guy on the forty, or you put a guy in the sixty-day IL. He's on the forty-man roster, or, or rather, he's not on the forty-man roster. So I mean, they could clear that forty-man roster spot and keep him, you know, on the injured list. I guess you know, like it, it would make sense to me that he could technically be on the quote-unquote active roster, even though he's on the IL. So I, I don't know. I, I would think that if he is on the IL for a lengthy period of time, they basically could keep him, I would imagine, but but I don't know the rulebook.
0: Have you guys, did you know that if you uh, you use the play, uh, it's called uh, Google. Uh, Google actually has uh, the ability to Google the MLB rulebook, and it says a Rule 5 draft pick can be placed on the Major League Injured list, but he must be active for a minimum of 90 days to avoid being subject uh, to the aforementioned roster restriction in the next campaign. So I guess maybe if it's soldier s- surgery and he's you know facing 90-plus days on the IL, the White Sox uh, will be able to at least keep him. So uh, I guess I should have Googled that before I asked.
1: And him. I think also <laughs> the White Sox can work out a deal if it comes to that. Right. with the Red Sox, to just keep Shane Jordan, um on the uh, Major League roster for their team and then send them back to the minor leagues, if need be, with the Rule 5 draft just straight up and down. He needs to be on that 40-man. Uh, so, I'm, you know, it's sad because the White Sox, you know, have already started with three injuries, all to their pitcher staff. But as we have talked about before, it seems like Chris Getz, uh, Ethan Katz, others, and Brian Bannister have fortified this uh, – relief core so those losses won't be too tough and it seems like John Brebbia's injury is just a small passing thing and Shane Johan wasn't necessarily depended on this year so I'm uh kind of you know sad that you know these people are going to be out for a little bit because it's White Sox It's starting to get your mind to think oh god here we go again but I think they've done enough with the floor so you're not losing too much of major league experience when they do come and break camp on March 28th. Absolutely and then Yeah i Go ahead.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I guess, you know, I I saw I saw some of those reactions that were similar to yours there, Herbs. And uh, listen, every team deals with injuries, obviously, at this time of year. And certainly I don't think the White Sox are in the worst spot, uh, you know, by by a long shot. I mean, we dedicated an entire uh, conversation last week to what the Orioles are going through in their starting rotation. We're talking about one guy. Uh, who who was supposed to be a pretty big part of their bullpen, um, but that might be ready for opening day anyway. And then two guys who really were, were very much toward the bottom of the list in, in my opinion uh, on whether they were going to make even make the team. So um, certainly Shane Drohan had some other stuff with him being a Rule Five pick, but um, you know if you were talking about him maybe making the rotation, I don't really think that ever look to be in the cards, uh, you know, if you're just asking my opinion. Um, So, yeah, I don't don't think anybody should be freaking out uh, over, uh, you know, these spring training injuries. Uh, I think that for the most part, the White Sox are experiencing very good health at the moment.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Orioles, and I mean, today the Mets put uh, Kodai Senga on the Mm -hmm. IL. So hey, it could be worse. Uh, And Brebbia too, I guess it is a little bit of a concern because you look at 2017, 2018, 2019, before COVID, 50 games, 45 games, 66 games, missed the 2020 season. And then in 2021, only 18 games, 2022, 76 games, and then last year, 40 games. So it does seem post-COVID that he has been running into, uh, you know, situations where he hasn't been able to pitch. Hopefully that's not something that continues to linger and affect him. Maybe it's just a flare up as these guys start to ramp up and hopefully we see Brebia soon cuz as you mentioned, you don't want to put too much emphasis on the signing, but just monetarily one of the larger signings for the White Sox in John Brebia. So, let's move to a guy that's not in the rotation. Let's go to one of these outfielders. Uh it did seem in the audio that you sent to me, Patrick O'Fall seems to be pretty amped about the work the White Sox have done so far, huh? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, you guys were were poking fun at the whole fast thing yesterday, and uh, we'll see if uh, uh, it ends up that it deserves to be poked fun at. But uh, as of right now, he's thrilled with this whole playing differently thing. And and obviously it's a goal. He hasn't done any of it yet. They haven't even played a spring training game yet. Um, But he is thrilled with just the chance to try it. Uh, Because last year he saw his team play in a style that he didn't like, and obviously, the results were not to his liking. And listen, we could tell that, right? I mean, we were we were talking about it throughout last summer how, you know, it really seemed like the fact that they were bad was really getting to him and really making him upset. And here we are in spring, where you know the cliche is everybody's record goes back to to zero zero, and all of a sudden, boy, it sure is nice to not have a hundred one losses, right? I mean, like the the idea that he's a a much uh, more uh, bubbly guy or a much more excited guy right now uh, is certainly true. And I I think you can chalk a lot of that up to uh, comfort. Listen, last year it was, uh, you know, the introduction, right? It was his first year, not just with this organization, but ever doing this job. And uh, you know, I think he was probably trying to impress and probably feeling some pressure and uh, you know, wanted, wanted to make a good impression. And it was the exact opposite of that. Uh, And so now, He's, he's been around this organization for a while. He's done this job before for a season, and you can just tell that he's far more comfortable, be it in his interactions with us or the way he's approaching things on the field. I mean, listen, how did we hear him say that he approached that clubhouse last year? He wanted to take a little bit of a hands-off approach, let the guys who had been here for a while do it. And to be fair, it's the exact same approach that Tony La Russa took a couple years earlier when he took over, but Pedro Grifol had it go really sideways on him really quick. Perhaps part of that new method is, okay, I know that didn't work. Now I'm going to take control, and I can feel more comfortable taking control because these people know me. I'm more established in this organization and in this job. I really do think uh, and sense that he is just very comfortable now and, like you said, very excited. You can tell he's very excited to see this team play in a way that he probably uh, likes a lot more.
1: And, Vinny, you've been great in – Getting some good coverage down there. If you're not following Vinnie Duber down there in spring training, you're doing it wrong at Vinnie Duber. One of the things I saw yesterday was the fundamentals they're getting back to and the sliding drill that they had uh, in the pitcher. I think it was Johan Luis and Aloy Jimenez. I love it, it's awesome. But I was just wondering if Pedro gave insight into or anybody why they had their shoes off, because I'm a fan of, you know, playing how you play, playing how you practice. And if you're going to practice without shoes, I don't know what it is.
4: Herb, I have spent the last 36 hours being bombarded with Twitter replies. I don't know why this of everything I've ever tweeted is the most has the most reach of everything, but everybody's mad. Nobody is happy that the White Sox were doing a sliding drill for any number of reasons. Listen, they do this every spring. They do sliding drills every year, all the time. They always use a mat because they don't want the guys tearing up their leg or anything like that. They always take their shoes off because the cleat is going to tear up the mat. This is how they do it. And I apologize, I guess, to, for not providing that context. But... uh Folks on social media thought that this was some sort of, uh, I don't know, a brand new thing that no baseball team has ever done before. I'm seeing how can a pro athlete be still having to practice this? This is something that should be taught in Little League. It is taught in Little League. All this stuff is taught in Little League, and they still have to practice it all the time. That's how you become a professional. None of this was out of the ordinary. Uh, you can critique the uh, sliding ability of the various players who were filmed doing it uh, to your heart's desire, I suppose. But uh, this is nothing uh, out of the ordinary, and I'm sure it's happening at every single camp across baseball.
1: But I would. The reason why is because the White Sox are a fundamentally unsound team, so that's why well, I'm they bringing were, it up. And
4: that's and well, they were. But, I mean, they've done this before and been bad at that. You know what I mean? And now they're doing it and they're hoping that they are not bad at it. Uh, you know, certainly part of Pedro's whole thing that I was just talking about is to do those little things better, uh, you know, to stop making the mistakes in every little facet of the game that we saw them do over the last two years, right? I mean, certainly Chris Getz had an emphasis on the defensive part of that with his acquisitions, but they're talking about it in base running and, and, and hitting and pitching and every little thing, too, Um You know, I think last year I did the I I, I had a similar video with a similar thing where they were they were practicing the calling for pop ups right between the second baseman and the and the out and the right fielder or the shortstop and the left fielder and everybody online was the, was you know what you just did oh my god i can't believe they're they're finally doing this or or oh how they have to do this because they're so bad and no other team has to do this every team does this all the time the point though obviously the difference that you pointed out is that they haven't been successful at those things once the regular season comes along they're hoping that changes but this is the same thing that happens every spring
1: they are the ones who created fast. And the F in fast is fearless. Seems they're pretty fearful of injuries, fearful of the players hitting their cleats on the bag, which it seems like and it's the opposite of what they're going for. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're, as I said, you play how you practice. and if they're, gonna, they're not playing without their shoes on. So I get the shoes on, get on the dirt, and do it right. Because then when it comes to game time, not have the conditions that are right. That's all I had to say. I'm just harping on things that they say. They want to be fast and they I, want to be aggressive, but they're like half assing into second base.
4: No, you're completely making things up. I think you're being I'm ridiculous not. personally on this front, and 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 you're not alone. The the entirety of Twitter is as well. So, um, but again, I th- I think this is just a drill, right? And. It is something that happens every year, and uh, um, I, I, I get why you're upset because you've seen them play in the regular season, and they screw up all the time. But the, the this is just a, a regular old run-of-the-mill spring drill.
0: Well, I guess, too, we saw that pop-up drill – and we were like, Oh, well, Elvis Andres is playing second base. This is going to be great. And then we see even late in September, Elvis Andres and Oscar Colas having issues with fly balls where the second baseman and right fielder should be communicating. Like uh, they can practice all they want. It's just about the consistency throughout the season as well. Um, and, I, I don't know about the. You guys can get mad about the mat all you want. I thought that there was one comment in there from uh, Name Cannot Be Blank. Please secure one of these and do the slide drill with Vinny and Herb, uh, and I will be a diehard immediately. So we just need like about, I don't know exactly the price for a diehard membership. I, I don't know. It's like $80 right now. Okay, $80, but for a year? Yeah, right. So I guess we need like maybe four people to become diehards uh, and we would uh, be able to then buy the sliding mat and be able to do that out in the alley. Well, and we could test the alley, but well, we could test it with cleats and no cleats and you could see if it rips it up. I'm, I'm always game. You you're know, you always game. All right. We got it. We got to park close by. <laughs> Vinny, you game if I get the if we get four more uh, diehards, you're game to, to try the sliding mat. I found it on Amazon. Oh,
4: absolutely. Absolutely. That seems safe to me. Right. I'm not I'm not I after seeing what happened with her uh, uh, in the alley, i am not I'm, I have no interest in running without any protection. But the mat seems to me to be a protective surface. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm going to go shoes off, though. I'm gonna go shoes
0: off. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go shoes off first. Me and you can go shoes off first, and then Herb can slide in baseball cleats and see if it tears it up. I got some right in the trunk right now. Some like some Mike trouts. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Uh, and speaking of uh, new I'm diehards, always prepared. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's always ready. Whenever a softball game's breaking out, Herb's ready to jump in. Sorry, uh, Kevin. Uh, we got new diehards that have joined. <laughs> believe this, Jim and Tim. Good guys. Jim and Tim have joined us. So thank you to Jim and Tim for becoming diehards. You can become a diehard today at allchgo.com. You get a box of the box right here with a free t-shirt, uh, some stickers, a membership card uh, and access to our CHGO discord. Where you get to chat with white Sox fans, Bears fans, Blackhawks fans, everyone alike. we got a ton of channels. So you're able to really grow that community and meet some people that you might not have uh, before. Uh, let's get to the Pedro Griffol audio. And then we'll talk a little bit about Ethan Katz. Uh, Pedro Griffol again, I think one of the bigger moments was how he handled Oscar Colas, one of the younger people, and I think it's going to be interesting uh, for you guys to hear this two minutes on maybe the changed tone uh, from Pedro Graffal on Oscar Colos. So here is Pedro Graffal discussing Oscar Colos's decision to not play Winter Ball this year. For not playing Winter
5: Ball, which is something that we all wanted him to do, I can actually say that... It's okay. Like I, I I can give him a break on that because he didn't waste his time. He's he is in really, really, really good shape. He's strong. He's athletic. He's saying all the right things. He's answering all the right. He's answering the questions the right way. Um, He's he's in a really good spot now. Part of. All of this is execution on the field. This is the major leagues. You have to be able to execute, right? So he's got to go, got to go out there and, and do it. He's, he's more than capable of doing it. Now he's got to slow it down and, and go do it. He is someone, obviously, that you, you,
4: Chris, everybody wanted to see him get get things right in the minor leagues. If if that ends up being the place where he starts this year he's able to, to earn another big league shot. And I'm
5: not talking just from permission standpoint, like yeah. his capabilities on the field. He's, he's able to do that of this year. Yeah.
4: yeah,
3: of
5: course. I mean, the, the beauty of this game is to is like the opportunity that's right in front of you. That's the beauty of the game. Like He's going to have an opportunity to make the team. If he doesn't make the team, he's got an opportunity to get back up here. And how do you do that? You prepare and you execute. And if an organization wants you to, to play a certain way, and you want to play in the Baylees with that organization? Guess what? You got to do it. You got to execute. So we're never going to turn our backs from, from a talent like that and 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 just say, no, no. I mean, he already had his... No, no, absolutely not. Players, I, I, I got taught this a long time ago by John Bowles, and he reminded me of this every single day, and our staff in Seattle of this every single day. Players are allowed to get better. You just gotta, You just got to give them the time. Some take... You know, a week. Some take a year. Some take two. Some whatever it is. But you, you never turn your back away. You never turn your back on talent, and, and you give them the opportunity and you teach them. And how many times you got to tell them one more time? You know, just like our kids. How many times? One more time. You know, and they'll put their hand on the fire and they'll put it again and again and again until one day I'm sick of getting burned. You know. So um, he's got a, he's got talent. Big time talent. You know, So it's our responsibility to make sure that we can get those little things right. But he wants to.
0: Vinny obviously chatted to Pedro Griffal We'll get his reaction first, but Herb was pretty loud uh, during uh, that, that clip right there. What would you make of Pedro's thoughts on Oscar?
1: You're asking like he's a child. I mean, seriously. Like, he's 26, and he got better in the offseason where you guys didn't have supervision over him? Like, that tells me all I need to know. Like, you had him for a whole offseason in 2022 to 2023— humping him up as the right fielder, and then he got to the team and he was terrible. Then you sent him back down under your tutelage, did well at the AAA level. Got back up here and didn't learn a damn thing, sent him back down there. Didn't do the thing that you wanted him to do was play winter ball and just uh, hung out with Luis Robert and worked out. So to me, him giving sunshine to Oscar, awesome but I'm not believing the word he's saying. They've already set their leg up on Dominic Fletcher. Like, yes, Dominic could fall short, but I think that Oscar Colas is not persona non grata on the White Sox, but they're just trying to pump him up maybe for a trade or something like that because they've already sent him down two times. He's 26. Like, they're acting like he's some spring chicken out of high school. He's been here, and... I don't know. the The answer is good. I guess he's excited for him, but I'm not falling for that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think the reason that Colossus is an interesting player is because of how last year went, and and certainly he, uh, the White Sox have invested significant amount of money in him, uh, you know, as well as hope. Uh, you know, I think that this is somebody who they do not want to give up on, that they're still hoping can be that guy that they wanted to see. But man, it was very apparent to everybody. Uh, You know, uh, you don't you don't have to be a scout. You don't have to be a a front office person to know that he was nowhere close to what he needed to be last year when he was struggling at the major league level. Um, I I think that nobody is expecting him to be maybe besides Oscar himself to be uh, in the mix for an opening day roster spot. Uh, You know, I think that he will be playing at Triple A for a significant amount of time because they want to see. That improvement that they're seeing now from a physical standpoint in the game, you know what I mean? Like this is a guy who they call them up from AAA and he can't pick the ball up in right field. I mean, it was jarring the the mistakes that he was making out there. They want to be able to make sure that that is completely out of him. And you're right, Herb. I mean, this is a guy who when they signed him, we heard everybody talking about how advanced he was and how, hey, this guy played professionally in Japan. This guy, uh, you know, played for the Cuban national team. This is a guy who should be able to draw on that experience and race his way to the major leagues. I guess he did from a timeline standpoint, but from a quality standpoint it was certainly not anywhere close to what anyone expected so I think that he is still an interesting story and a player worth following because hey maybe we are looking up in August and Oscar Colas has had an amazing season at AAA and Dominic Fletcher isn't doing so hot at the major league level maybe it's time for a switch to see if Oscar Colas can be albeit belatedly part of that long-term planning Uh, but right now in terms of spring training and a roster spot Dominic Fletcher's pretty much got that job in right field. Somebody else is going to be the fourth outfielder, not named Oscar Colas. It's just this is the start now of a new chapter in Oscar Kolas' story. Where does it go from here?
0: Yeah, it still seems like Pilar will likely get that fourth outfielder spot. We'll see how spring training lets that shake out. Uh, But again, Colas only played 75 games with the White Sox last year. I don't think that's enough to really uh, see what he's fully capable of, and also, too, we've talked so much about personal motivation. Oscar Colas got a chance in Major League Baseball, and it failed spectacularly. We just don't think that this, we think this person's built like every, or differently than every other athlete. Like, Oscar Colas isn't going to take his horrible time in Chicago and not try to build upon it. It seems like he's motivated. I don't know why Pedro Griffol would lie. You're mentioning about a trade. I don't know who's listening to Pedro Grafaule speak and being like, oh, well, Pedro Grafaule really believes in Oscar Colas. Let's take a shot. Like, he's only 25. He won't be 26 until se- se- September. I don't think there's a reason to truly write the kid off. They're not relying on him. Let's see what he can do. And if an injury flares up or something, we'll see what Colas does in that opportunity he gets. And maybe he takes full advantage of it.
4: Well, and I think, too, you know, we played the Chris Getz uh, sound from uh, Tuesday uh, in yesterday's show. And I don't remember if we included the answers he had on Colas. But, I mean, he literally said, you don't give up on a talent like that. Like, the the White Sox stance right now is that they're not giving up on Oscar Colas. Um, I think it's just interesting to see where this goes. And it might not go anywhere higher than where it is right now. Or it might end up as high as Oscar Colas is the right fielder like everybody thought he was going to be a year ago, Um, but it's just going to be, we're going to wait and see and and find out what happens this year.
2: Yeah,
0: in uh, 54 games in Charlotte, 14 doubles, 9 homers, 22 walks, 53 strikeouts, a better ratio than his last, you know, 33 appearances that he saw in 2022 where he had Two, strikeout, or two walks to 12 strikeouts, um, and in the majors, 12 walks to 71 strikeouts. So at least that strikeout-to-walk ratio was a little bit better. He was still making contact. You know, I, I don't know how the defense is, but maybe this is a
1: player that was making youthful mistakes and can clean this stuff up. I mean, I know that Chris said that they don't give up on him, but in his acquisitions of the Loach and Fletcher and some in uh, Pilar, it's not that they gave up on him. They over recruited him. They like, oh, nope, you're not the guy but anymore.
0: But like, that's depth. I mean, you know, what, what what's the? But issue? But those guys are
1: both young, and where's the where's the playing time for Oscar Colas going to come from? If they those same wow. guys get the same straw or the same length as Oscar Colas got. They're gonna be here for a while.
0: I believe they can. They think Colas can play right or center. So I think if they're gonna go with DeLoach, I don't think that really limits him. I think that he'll probably play and get a lot of opportunities in Charlotte, whether it be in center or right field. Like I don't think that this is gonna be a guy that doesn't get playing time. Like oh no,
1: in Charlotte, yeah,
0: enjoy yourself. Mark Payton's not gonna bump him off the roster, or uh, our guy Rafael Ortega. You know, like I, th- I think I think he's got a true shot this year. Uh, uh, we'll see. Anything else on Oscar before we hit a break here, Vin?
4: No, I, I think I, I just would I would just say that think of this as more of a long term thing, right? I mean, it's not. Oh, boy, they got Dominic Fletcher. That's it. Oscar Colas. Go go find a new gig somewhere else. You're done. Dominic Fletcher might not pan out either. You know what I mean? Zach Deloach might not pan out either or. They all might pan out, but Oscar Colas might end up the best. Who knows? It's, it, that's what I'm saying is that this is a long-term proposition for all three of those guys, maybe less so than we're thinking about what's going to happen this season.
0: Before you tell people about uh, the beautiful lining kugels, mm-hmm. but, I mean, look at where the Sox got Dominic Fletcher. They had Dominic Fletcher, the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks had Dominic Fletcher, Jake McCarthy, uh, who's Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, right? Like, having a lot of outfielders that could be MLBers isn't a bad idea. Like, those are all good people. Right, but we don't. I mean, you, you, Zach Deloach is your guy. Oh, yeah. Vinny wrote an article at LCHGO.com about uh, Chris Flexen and also Dominic Fletcher. It seems like Dominic Fletcher is their guy. And then Oscar Colas, if he turns to pan out, like, hey, you know, it's just it's gravy on top because, you know, they got guys to replace him in case he doesn't turn out.
1: Tell us about Line and Kugel. When our guy, Jim, our sales guy, told us that we, as the White Sox show, will be getting Line and Kugel for the season, I damn near fell out of my seat because if you know me, I think that nothing says summer in the city more than drinking a summer shandy at your favorite cookout or at the ballpark if you're going to Guaranteed Ray Field. And I know you're saying, Herb, summer shandy—that's a seasonal beer. What do you have for Lion and Kugel that goes year-round? Well, I'm glad you asked, brother. Lion and Kugel's original lager, light lager. And what I'm drinking right now is called the Lakeside Cherry, the Juicy Peach, the Berry Weiss, Northwoods Amber, dark lager, and so many more. And as I said, I was joined a couple days ago with some Honey Weiss, which is made with real Wisconsin honey, so you know it's good. And if you tried any of their beers, you know that Lion & brings the flavor whatever occasion. For 150 years, Lion & Kugel has been combining German brewing traditions with Wisconsin innovation. You don't have to pick just one. Lion & Kugel's popular variety packs come with four favorites to try and enjoy. Flavor life's simple moments with Line & Kugel, the official craft beer of the Chicago White Sox. Go to liney.com slash C-H-G-O to find delivery options near you. That's L-E-I-N-I-E dot com slash C-H-G-O or pick up Leinenkugels pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Leinenkugels, flavor the moment. Celebrate responsibly. The Jacob Line and Kugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Thank you. Guys, year. ever been up to Chippewa Falls? Real quick. I haven't. It's in the that north. Brewery woods, right?
2: that brewery is awesome. It's one of my favorites. It's super awesome. Yeah, it's a great tour. I can see one it on of the my can. favorites. Yeah, it's awesome. Love good a good love done. a good liney. Love You're, a good shandy.
0: Hey, maybe that's what we can do. We can we can go up to the Line and Kugel uh, Brewing uh, Station. What's it called? Brewing station, what the hell?
2: Brew house, brew
0: house, yeah, just a brewery. Brew house, yeah. yeah, brewery. That's the word. No, that's it. brew house. Uh, yeah, brewery. Brewhi- and maybe we, all three of us, Vinny, you and I, we jump in, in a canoe and we see how you know long it takes us to go from one side to the other.
1: You ain't saying nothing but a word. Yeah, the cool. line of kugels flowing. I'm there. All yeah, right.
2: thanks for the invite. I'd love to come. No, no problem, Kevin. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> the Cub people will take you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. You're you're wearing the Cubs hoodie. You're just
0: you're you're a I'm a baseball fan. Oh, okay. Well, we're not doing baseball. We're canoeing, buddy. <laughs> you're just extra weight on the boat. Uh, We want to let you know about our friends over at Ray Chevy. Uh, Ray Chevrolet is sharing their best offers all month long with their auto show sales event. Make your way to Ray Chevrolet on Route 12 in Fox Lake to join in on the savings. As one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories. Plus, you can find the perfect tailgating vehicles at Ray Chevy because they are offering 0% financing for 72 months on new Silverados with over 100 available. And to top it all off... They're pricing over 150 vehicles under 20000 Seriously, can pricing get more affordable than this? Plus, since everyone loves the word free, you'll get that at Ray Chevy in Fox Lake, a free oil change. Uh, if you mentioned CHGO when scheduling your oil change, you could start off the new year right and schedule your free oil change by February 29th. Just by mentioning CHGO when you schedule your oil change with our friends over at Ray Chevrolet. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. And we also want to, again, let you know about our friends over at Gila River. Resort and Casino, uh, Chicago Spring Training Hotel accommodations are provided by our friends at Gila River Resort and Casino, Vekiva. It's the place for Chicago baseball fans to stay when visiting the Phoenix area. So if you're traveling to head west to watch Cactus League games or traveling to the desert throughout the year, call 1-800-946-4452 or visit play at gila.com, play at gila.com. Then, what would you make of Ethan Katz's uh, comments today on Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, and Jordan Leisure? Which one uh, do you think were the strongest on uh, a certain pitcher?
4: Well, I mean, I'll go through go through all of them there real briefly. But, I mean, like, I, I think, you know, Michael Kopech, obviously, is, all eyes are going to be on him. And, and what Ethan Katz said this year is that this year, Michael Kopek showed up probably in the best shape, or, or is looking the best, I should say, in spring that he has since 2021. Now, remember, that was the season where Kopech pitched out of the bullpen and uh, did a really good job doing it. Uh, He showed up to camp that year and still had some COVID, you know, hangovers. Obviously, he had missed the previous two seasons. Uh, He still was not the normal offseason or the normal ramp up to spring training like they like to see. This year he has, for the most part, had that. And so that. I think is allowing him to impress the coaches uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit more than usual. So, I mean, I think we heard the numbers 96, 97 from Michael Kopech uh, here in the early going. And certainly Ethan Katz is uh, impressed with that. Uh, Garrett Crochet, I think uh, got, got a a good compliment from, from Katz as well. And they're looking to see exactly what it's going to take to get him to be that starter. It sounds to me like, It's going to be really slow-moving. Crochet, it sounds like, is going to start on Tuesday. He's going to be the first, I think, starter, maybe, that the White Sox are going to pitch uh, in a Cactus League game because the first few here are going to be mostly bullpen guys. Uh, He's going to start against the Dodgers, who I believe currently are beating the snot out of the Padres. But uh, the plan is maybe just an inning for Crochet and then see how it goes. So I think this is really, and and, and Ethan used this word, methodical. This is going to be a slow-moving process to see if they can build Crochet up To where he would need to be in order to be a starter come, I guess, as early as opening day. Uh, But we're going to see how it goes. And I think they're really not waiting to make it or they're not willing to make any commitments yet. I even asked, hey, let's say he doesn't make the starting rotation in the big leagues on opening day. What are the other outcomes? Because... It's not like his career is going to be over. You can do something else with him. He can continue to be a pitcher. What is that going to look like? And Ethan's just like, it's too early for that. We're just giving him this opportunity. We're going to see how it turns out, and we're going to see how it goes. But Like like Garrett said earlier, Ethan reiterated it today. The How the body recovers from one outing to the next is obviously going to be critical. Uh, and then Jordan Leisure, I guess we get another, uh, uh, you know, one of these springtime hype-ups. We talked about it yesterday, the other day with – with Nick Nostrini and uh, getting compared to Dylan Cease by, uh, by Pedro Grafole. Now we've got uh, Ethan Katz telling us that he was eating uh, lunch with Andrew Benintendi the other day and asked who was the best player or the best pitcher that Benintendi has faced so far in spring camp. And one of the names that Ben Intendi said was Jordan Leisure. Um, obviously, the guy uh, put up some really impressive numbers at the minor league level, uh, both before and after coming over in that trade with the Dodgers last uh, last summer. Obviously, the same trade in which they got Nastrini. Um, and uh, the fastball apparently is the, is the most impressive pitch. Uh, we're going to see if it's enough to get him on a major league roster come opening day. I guess there's no rush with him because he is a younger guy, a prospect. But uh, he's already turning some heads here at camp.
1: Uh, we're on the eve of games actually being played tomorrow. What do you think White Sox are judging and how they're going to be having their 26 man, especially for relievers, what are they judging? Are you judging more on game action or stuff that they do off the field? I know it's a combination of those two, but what's more important for the people who are making the final decisions?
4: I would think that the... I don't want to say off the field because, you know, it's certainly still performance, but the non stat line stuff, right. Is probably still more important. I would guess that that's how it would go. Certainly Pedro Graffold told us last year that that kind of was where he leaned. Now I asked him again today to kind of bring that up again, to kind of say that again. And he did say that it is important what happens in the box score. It is important what happens in the games, because like you say, Herb, at the end of the day, their job is to play a game. Why wouldn't you judge them on uh, how they're playing a game? But uh i do think that it's hard to put too much weight into that sample size right and too much weight into you know i mean you look at a think about a season right uh you know if a guy has one bad month but five good ones it it's a really good season this could be that one bad month you know what i mean so the it's probably not everything what obviously fans place a lot of importance on it because a they can watch it on tv sometimes and b it's just something to see hey Michael Kopech, for example, allowed X number of runs in this game. Ooh, that's good, or ooh, that's bad kind of thing. But certainly, Ethan Katz is probably looking for what his pitches look like and, and what, you know, what he's able to do in the moment. Uh, you know, With Kopech specifically, it's about is he bouncing back emotionally and mentally? Is he able to get, get over some of that adversity? That's just one example, but it shows and it explains how there is so much more than just strikeouts, walks, earned runs hits, that kind of thing and so yeah get excited about seeing baseball being played tomorrow when the Sox go to Mesa to take on the Cubs but know that if somebody hits a home run it doesn't necessarily mean that oh well they just want a job kind of thing because we can remember back to a few springs ago and Micah Rodolfo and Yoelki Cespedes and all the other guys launching all those home runs and then you know their, their major league play was never nowhere to be found.
0: Right, they're just hitting those off of other minor leaguers, so it just looks uh, more impressive because they're in spring training uniforms. Uh, There was a question that I was going to ask, and it left me. Okay, uh, anyways, uh, that game tomorrow, again, around 2 p.m., that's going to be John uh, Schriffen's first game as a play-by-play announcer so we'll be able to talk to you at 5 p.m. about that game and also Schriffen's performance Uh, the rotation for tomorrow don't expect Michael Kopech it's Jesse Chavez, Nicholas Padilla, Joe Barlow, Frazier Ellard, and Alex Spees. so we'll have a ton of bullpen thoughts for you tomorrow Uh, Vinny anything else that we need to hit on or are you gonna go enjoy uh, the Gila River Resort and Casino?
4: Well, I am going to do that, but I will say this. Uh, One more thing from Ethan Katz. Uh, He hyped up some of the names that we haven't really been talking about. A few veteran guys who are in camp who he kind of pointed out as guys who are opening some eyes or guys who have impressed him a little bit. Jake Woodford, Jake Cousins got shout-outs from the pitching coach. But how about this? Justin Anderson, who hasn't pitched in the big league since 2019, uh, he was on the Angels when Ethan Katz was a part of that organization. Uh, so they've got a connection there. But Ethan Katz said uh, that he is a guy that people should not be forgetting about, that people should be remembering when it comes to spots in that bullpen. So, um, listen, I think we've talked about how wide open this bullpen competition is. What's to say that a Justin Anderson uh can't win a spot over one of those guys that you just listed off that's going to be pitching tomorrow, right, Sean? So, uh, you know, we're going to see how that things turn out on that front.
0: Well, yeah, we're going to need to learn more about uh, Justin Anderson, too, because Baseball Reference lists him as a relief pitcher, right fielder, and left fielder. So, hey, uh, maybe he's got some versatility. He's one of those guys that bats left but throws right, so uh, a real weirdo. Uh, I guess the other – no, it's it, it's, it's the, the other way. Yeah, it's the other way. My guy, that's the Ricky Henderson way. Yeah. You throw left but you bat right. All right, so Justin Anderson, not that weird, but he's very, got a g- very g- seldom
2: you see the right-handed who throws left-handed. Right, it's only the weird guys like Ricky Henderson, Yeah, um, and Ryan Ludwig, exactly. Uh, I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, he's got a good last name, though. Uh, we'll talk a little bit tomorrow about the bullpen. Obviously, the spring training game versus the Cubs. Maybe we'll dip into some Nick Nastrini as well. That's our guy, Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber, and you can read his latest piece up at allchgo.com. Also, on our YouTube channel, we got a short of today's recap that you can watch from Vin. Uh, he'll update you on everything you needed to know in a minute on spring training. So, again, read his work at allchgo.com. That's our Lawrence. You can follow him at Ectorwall 23 Is our CHGO White Sox community leader you can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson you can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox thank you to Kevin Wells for producing the show
2: no problem boys happy to be here
0: thanks for giving us the idea of the canoe or
2: we will not invite you yeah go Uh, up to Chippewa (laughs) Falls man have a good time it's a great place to visit in the summer (laughs) all right staff of approval from Kevin Wells
0: we'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 p.m hit that thumbs up button hit that subscribe button Bulls pregame at 6 30 on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel goodbye we all
3: silly
4: like the man.